Hey, Praise Shop of Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from Pastor Isaac Roman, and the message he's entitled, Wake Up. Good evening, Praise Chapel Paramount. It's good to be with all of you tonight. Uh, I'm excited for the word that God has given me, and I I believe that it's going to bless your life. I believe that it's going to enrich your life. And um, um, my message tonight is wake up. up. Say that with me. Say that. Say wake up. up. Maybe nudge someone right now that's dozing right now and tell them to wake up. up. Amen. Well, I'm just, again, I'm just excited. I'm going to pray before we get into this message and uh, just ask the Lord to be with us, ask the Lord to guide uh, the words and that, uh, and that God would just do what he intends to do tonight with us. So pray with me right now. Just begin to pray in your heavenly language. Begin to offer up sacrifices of praise. So Father, we just thank you, Lord. We honor you, God. Lord, we give you the rightful place in this house. You have all authority. And Father, I pray against every lie of the enemy. I pray against every distraction right now, God. I pray that you would calm right now all the distractions, all the things that are contending for our attention. Lord, that we would focus on you right now. We give you the highest praise. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let me, uh, l- let me start with the scripture out of Isaiah. This is Isaiah 60. One through two, this is what it says. It says, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is all over the peoples. But the Lord, I I think about this often. I always say this, and I I wonder how many people here or maybe you're watching right now, have a but the Lord praise. And what I mean by that is uh, my marriage was in the tank. My marriage was, was on the rocks, but God. Uh, I, 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 thought that it, I thought that there was, there was no way that we were going to make the ends meet. There was no way that I was going to make the mortgage. There was no way that I was going to have a second chance, but God. And so uh, here it is again, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. This is a prophetic declaration. I think even right now in this time where there seems to be darkness all over the place, there there seems to be darkness all over the world, but our confidence is that the Lord rises upon us and that his glory appears over us. And so I think about this word arise and wake up. And really, if you look at this in, in, in the original meaning of it, the original text, what it is, is a phrase of stirring men to activity. So say that with me. Say stir men, stir men, to activity. And I'm, I'm hoping to do that tonight by the grace of the Holy Spirit to stir us into activity. Stop sleeping, stop slumbering, and get in motion and do what God has called you to do. Ephesians 5.14 says this. This is Paul paraphrasing uh, that very scripture that Isaiah declared. He says, this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. And so, again, what, what, uh, what Paul is doing, he's declaring a couple of things here, and it's a very subtle thing, but he's declaring that God, that Jesus, is the Messiah. You see, in Isaiah 60, it says that the Lord, uh, that, that the, but the Lord will rise and, and, and shine upon you. And what Paul does is he takes that Lord word and, and fills it in with Christ, declaring that Christ is the Messiah, declaring that Christ is Lord and God of this world. And so it's a, it's a fulfillment of a proclamation, a fulfillment of prophecy that Paul is declaring right now to the people. And so this call to action is an awakening 
from its previous state of darkness and death for her light. Who is, the, who is her? He's talking about the church, talking about the people of Israel. Her light is shine upon them. This is Christ in us and through us uh, to arise and awaken from the previous state of darkness and death for his light has come. So the church and each individual is similarly called to awake. Someone say, wake up, wake up. Wake up. All right. So listen, believers are called to awake out of a sleep. And, and oftentimes, many of us uh, could, could be lulled to sleep. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit tonight. Uh, but there's two things that we're addressing here. One is the believer. And how many of you know that Christ oftentimes came to the church? He came to the religious leaders. He came to them to bring order, bring correction, bring, uh, bring, bring insight, even bring rebuke and discipline to get them in line and get them right. And so the believers are called on to awake out of their sleep and unbelievers to arise from the dead. We understand that the unbeliever is dead in his sins. They, they, they don't know. Uh, I started going down this whole path of, of, uh, of, of unconscious knowledge and incompetence and all these, all these different things. I'm here to tell you that we have loved ones. We have people that we care for. They, they are ignorant. They don't understand. They don't know. And how are they going to know unless we say something, unless we tell them? And so I'm calling the church of God tonight to wake up. I, I, there, there's some scriptures that I read that bring chills to me. There's scriptures that I read that really bring some sobering to my life. All of us are busy. All of us have plenty of things to do. Oftentimes, when you see someone that you haven't seen for a minute, you say, hey, how are you doing? What's the response? I'm busy. Well, amen. I get it. We're all busy. This world will keep us very, very busy. But, but there's some scriptures that I read that really bring things into context. We need perspective. We need a, a proper context as to what we're doing here on this earth. I'm going to read a couple of those scriptures to you. Matthew 25, 5. We know this parable. It says, The bridegroom was, long, was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now, we're talking about the second coming of Christ, and we're talking about the bridegroom, which is the church. That's us. Romans 13, 11 says, and do this, understanding the present time. We need to understand what's going on. We need to understand what is going on really. We see, we've seen it. You've seen the news. You've seen the civil unrest. You've seen the pandemic. All these different things. Understand what's going on. Be discerning. Don't be asleep. Wake up. He says, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than we, when we first believed. And so listen to this. Paul is talking, and he's expecting Christ to come back in his lifetime. He is, he is confident that Christ is coming back. He looked at the present time. He looked at what was going on uh, in, in, in his present world and the Roman Empire and all these different things. And everything was aligned. It all seemed like it was, this was the end times. Now, I'm here preaching to you uh, many, many, many years later. And I'm telling you today that we are much more nearer to the second coming than they were back then. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 says, So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and be sober. Somebody tell someone to wake up. Come on. Somebody tell someone to wake up. Come on. I want to wake up the sleeping giant. I, I'm, it, this is a sounding of an alarm to the sleeping giant tonight. 
And so, and so listen, uh, World War II, many of us know the history there, but there's a couple of movies that have been made. One of them is Torah Torah, and the other one is Pearl Harbor. And in both of those movies, towards, towards the end of that, there's a, there, there's a comment made by the Japanese admiral. His name is uh, Isoroku Yamamoto. And this is what he says uh, in regards to the attack on Pearl Harbor. This is what he says. He says, I fear all we have done is to awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with a terrible resolve. And we all know that history bears out that his concern was very well founded. We, know, we understand that at, during that attack, it woke up and it, and it got the U.S. military into that fight, ultimately uh, ending, that, ending that war. And so I'm here to tell you tonight that I, I'm speaking specifically to Praise Chapel Paramount. And I'm here to kick the sleeping giant to wake them up. And, and have, a, have a firm resolve that God is who he says he is, and God is going to do what he said he's going to do. I'm going to say that one more time. I'm here to wake you up, and that we would be emboldened and confident in the faith that God is who he says he is, and God is going to do what he said he's going to do. So the sleeping giant is us, specifically Praise Chapel Paramount. And, and so listen, I'm not here beating, beating you down. I'm not here uh, taking jabs because I'm here on the mic. I'm not implying that everyone's asleep. There's many people that are out there. There's many people that are active. There's many people that are doing what they're supposed to do, leading their families, people that are evangelizing, people that are moving the kingdom forward. And for those of you, thank you. Continue to do that. But there's some of us that are asleep, and I want, I want to wake you up tonight. Listen. When I say all of these things, I have a couple of questions for you, and this is a self-audit. I say this often. I'm going I'm 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 to put it out there, and you go ahead, and, and you take the test for yourself. How close are you, you specifically, how close are you to fulfilling your full potential in Christ? Think about that. God has given you a vision. God has given you a prophetic word. God has called you. God has ordained you. God has anointed you. How close are you to fulfilling the full potential that Christ has for you? Second question is this. Is your influence or impact on this world at all close to what it could be or what it should be? Many of us could just be moving through the motions. We're going to work, coming home, hanging out, going to sleep, watching a TV show, knocking out, and uh, we get up and we do it again. It's almost like Groundhog, Groundhog's Day. Right over the last 90 days, and in, in, in our quarantine and our stay-at-home order, it feels like Groundhog's Day. I'm waking up every day doing the same thing. What kind of impact are we making on this world? And the last, the last question is this: What about in your serving? What about in your giving? How active are you? How alert are you in all of these different things? And so I believe that God is moving us to a great awakening, a corporate awakening. I believe that God is setting things up. God is setting things up to show up and to show off in this world. I believe it 100%. Uh, there, there's been prophecies that all, all the things are coming alive. Uh, we've seen over the last 90 days that more church has been broadcasted than ever before in history. The gospel has been preached more than it ever has been in history. And so I believe that there's a great awakening 
coming towards us. And so everything that, that I'm saying here, um, I, 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 don't, I don't intend to devalue what's going on or, or, or lessen uh, the significance of leadership and anointed preachers and, and ministers and all of that kind of stuff. I don't mean to do any of that because our leaders play a huge role in, in leading and modeling and equipping you, us, for the work of the ministry. So listen to this. There's, there's a couple of quotes that uh, that that I, that I want to I want to speak to, and we're speaking to we're speaking to the believer. We're speaking to not the guy that's up here preaching. We're speaking to the guy that's out there sitting, the guy that's out there doing his thing every single day. Listen to this, Mordecai Ham. Uh, if you don't know that name, that's the man that won Billy Graham to the gospel. He says this. He says, "God gave me a revelation of the last days." How many of you believe that we're living in the last days? Amen. All right. Okay. So I'm in the right room. Gave him this revelation. It says that it is the layman that will reach the world. He went on to call layman the sleeping giant of evangelism. Now, what does a layman mean? Now, a layman means that you're not in a professional, uh, you're, you're not in a professional place for ministry. You're not in clergy, nothing like that. You're just a normal person. You're, you have a nine to five. You're going and leading your family. You're going to, and you have a secular job. Those people are the sleeping giant of evangelism. Now, I could get up here and I could preach a message and hopefully I could inspire through, through the grace of God. God gives me words. God anoints me to, to inspire other people. But I'm not necessarily winning people to Christ and preaching to you. What I'm trying to do is inspire you and motivate you to go out and share what God has done in your life with someone that's never going to sit here, someone that's never going to join us on our live stream. I'm here to equip you to go and do that in your daily life. George Washington Carver says this, there's going to be a great spiritual awakening in the world. And it's going to come from plain, simple people who know, who know, not simply believe, but actually know that God answers prayer. It's going to be a great revival of Christianity, not a revival of religion. This is going to be a revival of true Christianity. It's going to rise from the laymen from men who are going about their work and putting God into what they do. I'm going to say that one more time. The people that are putting God into what they do. So that means on the job, you're putting God into your job. That means when you're at home cooking or hanging out with the family, you're putting God into that time right there. He goes on to say, uh, from men who believe in prayer and who want to make God real to mankind. How many of us want to make God famous? Charles Price says, layman will be his most important channel. Who's his? Referring to God. Not the clergy or the theologians or the great gifted preachers, but men and women with ordinary jobs in the ordinary world. D.L. Moody, he, he concludes and he says, if this world is going to be reached, I'm convinced that it must be done by men and women of average talent. How many of us are of average talent? I'll be the first one to raise my hand. I'm just, a, I'm just an average person. This is, what, this is what we believe. This is the New Testament church. This is, this is what we believe in Praise Chapel Paramount, that God could use anybody. God could, if God could use me, God could use you. God could use any single one of us that would surrender our lives and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us to make impact in whatever situation and wherever you're at. So again, what I'm saying is not reducing spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership is pivotal. It's, it, it's, it's, it's what makes all this stuff work. 
So spiritual leadership is significant. Even the fivefold ministry, if you read that in Ephesians 4, we like to talk about it. We like to, uh, uh, we, we, we like to label people with it. But understand this. The fivefold ministry is there to equip the saints to do the work. The fivefold ministry is not supposed to do all the work. The preacher, the teacher, the evangelist, the prophet, they're, they're there to equip you and to move you to a place of ministry. I love this quote. This man says, although men are accused of not knowing their own weakness, yet perhaps few know their own strength. And I'm, I'm here to tell you tonight, Praise Chapel Paramount, that you are stronger than what you think. You could do more than what, you, than what you're doing right now. God will empower you. God will strengthen you. God will give you the ability. God will give you the capacity to do what he's called you to do. And so, I, again, I want to wake up the sleeping giant inside of you. And God, has, God surrounded us with great leadership but that leadership is to equip us for the work. I thank God for our pastors. I thank God for Pastor Omar and Sister Letty. Uh, they, they've been a blessing personally to my life and to my family. They've been, uh, Pastor Omar has been a mentor to me in helping and developing and really getting over a lot of my junk. And so I appreciate my pastors. I honor my pastors. And understand this. It would be a shame. It would be a shame if Pastor Omar and Sister Letty were doing all the work. Really what, what happens is as leaders and as pastors, as you, as you get to a certain place, you understand that the only way that I could become more effective is by raising my, cap, my, capa, my capacity. And the way that I raise my capacity is that I begin to empower and entrust other people to do the work. And so tonight, I'm, I, I'm, I'm wanting to, to make you understand what's happening. I, I love, Pastor Omar says this often, he says that as a pastor and as a leader, as a spiritual leader, he's, he's called to give away the ministry. And so he's looking for people that are going to position themselves. He's looking for people that are going to pursue righteousness and holiness. And he's going to entrust those people to go and do the work that God has called them to do. Anybody getting anything out of this? This is fun. I'm having a good time tonight. So listen to this. Many of us have been lulled into a false sense of safety. Let, let me put context to this. Christ came on this earth. He died, was crucified, and was resurrected. He ascended into the earth. He ascended into the heavens. And what did he say? I'm coming back. He said, I'm coming back. I'll be back. Now, that, there's, been a lot, there's been a lot of years that have, have passed since then. And naturally, we see, that we see this throughout the Bible. Naturally, the further away we get, we get from that miracle, the further away we get away from that deliverance, that salvation, whatever it is, our natural tendency is to fall back into our own ways. And I'm here to tell you that many of us have been lulled into a, a false sense of security that God is not really coming back in my lifetime. Now, I'm sure many of us will never say that, but maybe our lives are saying something else. I was looking up, I was looking up fighting styles, and uh, you may not know this about me, but when I was a young man, uh, I, I was infatuated with Bruce Lee. And, uh, uh, and, and I, I loved watching him. I, I loved watching all of his movies uh, and, and, and all those different things. And so um, I was, I've always been kind of interested in martial arts. 
And so I was reading this book, and there was, uh, it was something like 360 fighting styles, okay? And so I was reading it, and I was just picking up different things, and I came across this fighting style. Maybe some of you guys have heard of it. It's called Drunken Fist. Anybody ever heard of Drunken Fist? All right. So, so what this fighting style is, is it's one that shows that they're a non-threat. It's one that is, is swerving, moving around. Uh, they, they let off the, the, uh, really the appearance that they're uncoordinated, that they're off, they're, they're off kilter, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're not really able to do anything. And so what happens is they begin to sway. And what happens naturally is uh, as the aggressor is, is standing there, he begins to kind of relax and become into a false sense of security. And then it's in that moment that the, that, that the drunken fist fighter will pounce and strike. I'm here to tell you that the enemy, I, I believe the enemy has that, that strategy tonight. I believe that the enemy is lulling us to sleep. We think that, you know, uh, the, the enemy is not, the enemy is working through witchcraft and through uh, Satanism and all this kind of stuff. I, I believe that. And, 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 but but I, I'm here to tell you that, th- that Satan is moving in a much more subtle way, in a much more subtle way to cause division and get you lulled to sleep into a false sense of security. So how is he doing this? I, there's a lot of ways. I, I'm gonna, I'll talk to you about a couple of them. The first one is entertainment. I'm going to step on some toes tonight. So the, entertain, the entertainment industry has, has got us all in a trance. We watch the movies. We watch the shows. Come on. We're entertained. We listen to the music. We even recite the lyrics. I was talking to my wife the other day. And there, was, uh, there, there, was, there were songs playing. And I, and I was thinking about this when I was a young man that uh, I used to sing these lyrics. I used to sing these songs. And I had no idea what they meant. I would say the words. I had no idea what they meant. Now looking back at that, I can't believe that I was saying the things that I was saying. I can't believe that, that, that I was participating in the things that I was participating. I would, be, I would be mortified if I heard my children reciting the lyrics that I was, uh, that I was reciting. And I'm saying all this to say this, that most of these things that we listen to, most of these things that we watch, they're anti-Christian. They're anti-Christian. And ultimately what the entertainment do, uh, what the entertainment industry is doing is conditioning us. It's conditioning us and it's packaging their anti-Christian worldview in a nice little uh, humorous, tolerant, packaged as love message. Oftentimes I think about this, social media. Social media has got us all in a trance. I, I, I don't care, I don't care who, who you are. How many of us have seen hours fly by, whether you're scrolling through Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, whatever it is. And I'm not saying that you're watching anything bad, but what are you doing with that time? I'm here to tell you guys to wake up. We got to wake up. So this fighting style, this drunken fist, which I believe the enemy is using this as a strategy to the church, it's, it's also, it also could be seen as rope-a-dope. And those of you that know fighting, know fighting style, boxing, uh, the rope-a-dope. How many of you guys know the rope-a-dope? Yeah, you know the rope-a-dope. All right. And so listen, the rope-a-dope is a technique that allows the opponent to become overconfident or overexert themselves. So we all know, we, we all know the, the, the story with 
uh, with Rocky, right? We know, we, we've seen the story with Rocky and, uh, and not Apollo Creed, Mr. T. What's his name? Clubber Lang. Clubber Lang, right? And Rocky's out there getting, Rocky is getting beat down. And his corner's, his corner's imploring him, fight back. What are you doing out there? What's going on? And Clubber Lang is just, lay, just pounding on him. And his response, to, his response to his corner is this. He's tiring out. I'm going to let him just keep going for it. And we all know the story. He, he tires out. Rocky comes back. It's a great story. It's a, he's a great hero and all, and all those different things. But I'm here to tell you that the enemy is doing the same thing to us. And so listen, many of us are overconfident. Sometimes we're overconfident. We think that we're stronger than we really are. Pastor Omar talked about this a few weeks ago in our Erase series on failure. And if you missed that, I, I recommend that you go back and look at that. But this is what he said. He said, um, uh, in the story of Peter, when, when Jesus goes and tells his disciples that you are all going to leave me. And what do they say? No way, not me. Peter, Peter speaks up and says, no way, not me. And Pastor Omar, he, he reminded us out of 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 10 and 12, he says, so beware if you think it could never happen to you, lest your pride becomes your downfall. Overexerted. Some, some of us are overexerted. Some of us are too busy. We're tired out. We're so busy chasing uh, whatever it is that your dream is, whatever it is, the, 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 the house and the picket fence, whatever those things are. We're so busy trying to make ends meet. We're so busy chasing these things down that we've allowed this world to run us ragged. We're too tired to lead our families the way that we're supposed to. We're, we're, we're busy doing things while we're, while we're losing our family. I'm here to tell you, I've been there. I'm, I'm right there with you, and I had to repent of that. And so I want to wake you up to this, and I want you to be aware of what's going on. Somebody say, wake up. Second yeah. right. Timothy 2.4 says, for every soldier called to active duty. Who's active out here? How many active duty individuals do I have in the room tonight? For every, for every soldier called to active duty must divorce himself from the distractions. I'm going to say that one more time. Must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so that he may fully satisfy the one who chose him. I see a lot of, I see a lot of keyboard warriors on Facebook giving their two cents. You're not making a difference. Make an impact for the kingdom. So listen, I'm going to try to wrap this up. There, there's three separate instances when Jesus referred to his returning as a thief in the night, three separate, three separate instances that he uses that metaphor. And I'm thinking that if he's going to say it three times, that means something. I need to listen up. And so, so listen, the, the, in Matthew 24, 42 through 43, it says, this is why you must stay alert because no one knows the day your Lord will come. But realize this, if a homeowner had known what time of night the burglar would come to rob his house, he would have been alert and ready and not let his house be robbed. And so listen, he's talking about not, he's not talking about the thief, he's talking about the guy that's being visited. He's talking about us, right? And so uh, what are most people doing in the middle of the night while we're sleeping, right? We're completely unaware of what's going on, the imminent danger that is in front of us. We're completely unaware. And so listen, it's, it's easy for us to be lulled to sleep in a state of self-security, thinking that Jesus is not going to come back in our lifetime. You may, not, you may say, not me, but I'm, I'm here to question. Your choices and your priorities speak louder than your words. 
And so we need to live like Jesus is who he says he is, and we need to believe that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. I'm going to move through this. So how can we be ready for this? I got three things for you quickly. And you're going to have to go back and read this. This is 1 Peter 4 through 10. Go back and read this, okay? But I'm going, to, I'm going to break it down and close this thing up quickly here. So the number one thing is that we must keep God central. Say that. Keep God central in our lives by continually coming to Christ and building on him. So 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5 says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so we are, we are, we are being built, uh, we, uh, we build on Christ by believing in him. Pastor Omar said this the other day. He said that we have to believe, we have to believe that and behave like Christ is telling the truth. We have to believe that and behave like Christ is telling the truth. The second thing that we could do to stay ready is that we, we must be built together. We must be built together by exercising our gifts and loving each other. 1 Peter 2.5 says that you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so listen, the local church is like, it's like a marriage. Uh, oftentimes you see that uh, in marriage counseling, we say that as two people become closer to the triangle, right? As two people become closer to God, God at the center. As two people become closer to God, they naturally become closer together. This is what happens in the local church. The closer that we become to God, the closer, the more that like Christ that we become, the closer that we become as a brotherhood, as a sisterhood, as a church, and we are to be built together. The third thing is this, is that we must evangelize. I'm going to say that one more time. We must evangelize. We are still ev evangelical. We're not here building our own empire. We're not here looking to, to, build, uh, to build our church into a mega church or anything like that. We thank God for the grace that he's given us. We thank God for the grace and 30 years of ministry that he's given Pastor Omar and Sister Letty. But we are still committed to the one. We are still committed to the one. I love what Diga says. This, this has stayed with me. It's stayed in my spirit. He says that Jesus is still the answer and the gospel is still the mission. Over time, things may change. Culture may change. The method may change, but the message is still the same. The message is Christ and him crucified. And so we must evangelize. So the first thing we have to understand is that the cross of Christ is offensive. The cross of Christ is offensive. This is what it does. It humbles human pride, and it tells people that our own good works will not get us into heaven, and it tells us that we are sinners who have offended a holy God, and people don't like that. The second thing it does is that, uh, is that it declares Christ's lordship, and this offends people. So everyone likes the idea of genie Jesus. Everyone likes the, the genie in the bottle, Jesus is going to give you what you want. Jesus is going to give you that good life. You know, uh, Jesus is going to bless, blessings on blessings and all, all those different things. I believe that God does that. Yes, God does that. I'm blessed. But Jesus is, 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 Jesus is moving through us to fulfill his will on this earth. 
And so Christ's lordship offends people. But we must be evangelistic. We must be evangelistic. So I've been talking a lot to the believer. I've been talking to us as, as believers. I've been talking to you as believers. But I want to talk to the unbeliever. I want to talk to those that are dead in their sin. And I'm going to declare this very boldly. You see, the problem is that we have a sin problem. It's a human problem. And the Bible says clearly that there is not one righteous, not even one. It goes on to say in Romans 3 that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so there is a sin problem. The wages of sin is death. So there's a sin problem. But we have hope. I love this. In Romans 5, it says that, but God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It says that while we were still enemies of God, while we hated God, while we rejected God, he still loved us. And so it's a very simple thing. It's, it's a response. And so we talk about this awareness. We talk about this knowledge, this understanding. Even those that are there right now with me on, on the screen, even as, you hear me, even as you hear me preaching these words and saying these things, you're now accountable for the things that you're hearing. Christ is the only way to heaven. Christ is the only way to the Father. And so our response is this, is that if we declare with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Christ is Lord and that, and, and that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That is the, that is the promise. That is, that is the message. That is the gospel. And lastly, the result of salvation, this is what I love, that once we've, once we've acknowledged our problem, once we've acknowledged that we're, that we're, we're, we are in a shortfall, once we've acknowledged that and we've declared and we've responded, Romans 8, 1 says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna ask if you would just pray with me, just bow your head and reverence. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.